Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where Beige is back. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. He's back. Beige is back. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Today we're Backstreet talking about boys. why you were gone. We're going to talk about travel. <laughs> and I don't know if this is going to become a general travel episode. If it doesn't, I kind of suspect it won't. We will do that at a later date, because mostly right. I want to hear about your trip. And we haven't talked about it, because you got back literally last night. Yep. I got back, what, about maybe 12 hours ago, I think, uh... Getting in uh, and just kind of crashing out and going to sleep and waking up this morning to talk about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. And both of us love travel and like we have travel histories and stuff. And like I said, I don't know if we're going to get to any of that today. We'll see what ends up happening. If not, I promise a different episode later. But how was your trip? Where did you go? All I told people last episode was that you went to a hurricane, which wasn't entirely true. (laughs) Which wasn't entirely true. We went to Palm Beach, Florida. I have friends who, actually the friends who I wrote my uh, book Nimbus with, uh, he lives with his wife and daughters in Palm Beach, Florida, in North Palm Beach. And so we get a free trip down there. It's about a 15-hour drive, so it's not something that we can really do. It's not a weekend trip we can make, but uh, we decided to take some time. I just started working full-time remote, uh, so I was able to really just go down there and keep working have a working vacation jennifer took off uh using a bunch of her vacation time and so we just basically had this wonderful trip that was really kind of a celebration of me not having to freelance anymore so we we went through we stayed with them they have the most wonderful baby in the world like anyone else with a baby your baby pales in comparison to this baby and like she's 16 months old and i love her she's the only child i've ever met that at that age makes me want to have a baby but i don't want to have a baby unless it is that baby and so we keep saying that we're going to steal that that child from them because they're expecting twins and they won't ever miss her Wow. Okay. I have some yeah. umbrage with general statements about children. Um, but <laughs> no, no. I, over she that. is my favorite kid, though. I really do love her. And being able to spend like a week, she is the most chill child I've ever, I've ever played with and been around. Like she is really a delight at that age and just no trouble at all. Like it was such a wonderful trip. Just, I'm going to miss her, I think, more than I'm going to miss my best friends. Wow. That says a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, so you got to hang out with them, and mostly what I yeah. know from your trip, I knew what you were planning to do, and then over the course of the last, it's been like two and a half weeks since we've recorded, because yeah. we recorded early so that you could leave for the trip, and then last week, I got to do an episode without you, which was very interesting, and I like how it turned out, but I'm very glad to have you back, and we have a ton of geekery and stuff. Mostly what I saw was like five or ten second snippets of video as you texted them to me and it was just like here's a little bit from universal studios here's a little bit from harry potter here's a little bit of me playing i think you were playing switch like yep yeah like one two the what's that game called one two switch and i totally see like starting out with one two switch so let's do that like because okay. this was a very chill vacation, like one of the things that we did was honestly just hang out at their house a lot. And since they're super geeks like we are, it 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 just made Austin was able to get a a switch for $14. He was really lucky on a bunch of expenses that had to be paid on the Amazon Prime account that he has with the rewards card. So he was able to get $14 for Zelda Breath of the Wild and the Switch itself. He was super excited about this with all the rewards and stuff that he had been saving up. 
So uh, part of the business he runs is an event company, an entertainment company at different hotels and different places around. And they have the Switch to do video game clubs with, and they have 1-2-Switch. So 1-2-Switch is exactly what you talked about during our Switch episode, where it is an absolutely fantastically fun tech demo. That the mini games are great. It reminds me so much of the Wii Play and Wii Sports that came with the Wii, and they're charging $60 for it. It is in no way worth a full game price unless you are running like an event company where you have to have multiplayer games. Okay. So that's why he has it, though. So that makes a lot of yeah, sense. That's, yeah, that's why he has it. They had it at the house, and so we popped it into the Switch. And so we, we did the team battle stuff where you it's basically a Mario party board where you go around and do random video, random mini games to see who can win out of points and get to the end first. And it was so much fun that I know I sent you a video of me and my wife doing the dance-off Yeah, that uh, is just absurd that that there are the sword fighting game is super fun that was one of my favorites the wizard battle was a lot of fun and then i learned i if it were the old west i would get shot in a second because i always shot the ground on the quick draw that i was not good at that like every time i shot the ground i could not i could not get the gun pointed at them to shoot and just things like that it was just fun to do because it was silly and just a group of 30-year-olds playing 1-2-Switch really was awesome. and But again, not worth the $60. Okay, Whenever so it gets to be like one of the, the greatest hits where it's about 20 sure, yeah, pick it up. You're going to have fun with a group, even with two people, just to kill a little bit of time. That's kind of what I expected from that game, but I'm more interested in... I thought that... Okay, you've been interested in the Switch, but you hadn't actually right. had hands-on time with one, and now that you have, no. I think you may have come out of that convinced to get one. I, I did, and I really want one right now. Okay. And the, the what I was going to talk about next, actually, because have you played One Two Switch like the full game of it? No, I I have it in my GameFly queue, so it'll show up here one of these days. Right. So you and your family will have a great time playing it. Like, I really do think you're going to have a good time. And if you can continue to buy it for like the uh, the 20 bucks thing, I could see you doing that. Just like, eh, it's cheap. I'll pay for this. Yeah. Other than that, you will you'll send it back pretty quickly unless your kids really dig it. Um, and so, yeah, this was the first time I had hands on with it. So one of the things with the with one two switch is that. You know how you were talking about the marble counting game and stuff like that, where you can feel it, individual numbers of marbles that you move around, and it feels like a little box? It's absolutely true. It absolutely works. And I cannot tell how many marbles are in that box. That (laughs) it It was still precise. It was still interesting how they did the motion controls on it, but it still didn't feel quite there. That it wasn't... 100% because it was there, but it was never like, I feel like if it were real marbles, I honestly would have been able to tell that just a little off of where they want it to be, but it's still fantastic. Like it's one of those things. It's like, you don't expect that out of a video game console, but you're convinced now that you should get one. Yes. And I want one. Jennifer wants one. Uh, Jennifer at different times during the trip stole the switch, went into the room we were staying in and just played Mario Kart by herself that she didn't want to be around people. She just grabbed it off of the dock and went in there and started playing 200 CC, uh, trying to get trophies. It was 
awesome. Like she loved it. Someday she was like, you want to go to the beach? And we, we went to the beach for a little while and then we went back home. And I was like, what do you want to do now? And she's like, kind of just want to lay on the couch and play Mario Kart. And so it's, it's, uh, awesome that we were doing that. She was like, how much is the switch? How much can you get out of the Wii U? And, uh, where there you go, you got some support. Now. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Uh, the only problem is that the main game she wants to play is Mario Kart. We do have it on the Wii U right now. So today, after we get done with this, I've got the Wii U, uh, gamepad charging and everything so that we can try it and see, cause we did not like the Wii U version. And I wonder, I'm going to ask you, I was going to ask you if the, if the Wii U version has the controls, that keep you from running off of cliffs and things like that does it no the wii u version does not have that so those those controls that are like auto assist and like always accelerate and stuff like that that's only on the switch version that may be why we liked it so much better because it took out that just slight frustration that came with mario kart 8 on the on the wii u so that may be a reason for us to really pick it up on the on the switch because we really loved it on it and really didn't want to play it very much on the wii u and i know but it's kind of like we talked about before that that getting to the point where yeah it's it's kind of easy mode with the assist you're you're running into uh playing bowling with the bumpers in the lanes but if that makes it more fun for you then do it and so it makes it a lot more approachable for like my kids too which is nice yeah it does and since it's the default on online play i feel like that may be something that i don't i actually don't feel bad about it because of that like that's the reason if everybody's forced to play with it when you do it online then why not do that when you're playing against your family in the living room so to me, I like those. We really liked it. And so we we really want one. And I don't know if I'll get one before Christmas because that's kind of the, the thing we're talking about right now because we're moving into I'm getting a 401k. I've got to start saving for retirement, paying some debts off now that there's consistent income. And we're going to have to balance that between and getting, uh, you know, frivolous stuff like a switch before like major holidays and things like that, because I really do want to save the Wii U until I can get through the Zelda DLC. So but you're we'll on see. the path to Switch now. Yes. Okay, good. Absolutely. But you said, so like some days were Switch days, some days were Ocean days. Didn't you tell me that like your dog hates the ocean? Oh my God, my dog hates the ocean so much. And one of the main reasons that we brought her was because one of Jennifer's lifelong dreams, and I kid you not, like is to have a dog running along the beach, jumping in the ocean and like frolicking. And we... We fa- and like, she just loves it. Like she's a huge dog person, and she has made me into a huge dog person because before Leia, I never had another dog. I never had a dog since I was like four years old, and so I'm in love. We wanted to play on the beach with this dog, kind of just just great. So we found a dog beach. Void. We found a dog beach to take her to. She loves other dogs. She is literally the sweetest dog I've ever met. Like I've never seen her do anything aggressive. Uh, as soon as you look at her, she like licks you and rolls over for her belly to be rubbed. Like she's scared of our cat and tiny dogs. And like she won't pick up. Uh, we have her a Chewbacca chew toy and she won't pick it up and play with it that she loves it more than anything. If it's sitting beside something because she's afraid that something is going to get her. And uh, so like this dog is so afraid of the ocean. Like she loves the beach. She loves playing with other dogs, but she is so afraid to get in the surf and she hates water. And so we couldn't get her. 
we couldn't get her in the pool. Like we have a kiddie pool here that we tried to get her in. Like she won't get in the pool because she doesn't like to step over things. Like it's really weird because everything else is like perfectly normal. Like she's a fun running around. Like she's a, a we don't know exactly what breed she is because she was a shelter dog. And because, but we think she's like mostly golden retriever, maybe a little Australian shepherd, potentially like a very small amount of Brittany Spaniel because of the way some of her hair works. And, but like fully frolicking energy, you know, everywhere. Like you, before we started recording this, like she just ran, started bumping into the door to my office here just to make sure that I'm still alive here and come in and had to hug me and say, say good morning. And then she ran right out and it's perfectly good. Like wonderful dog, afraid of water. And so she also apparently gets motion sick. So the, since it was a 15 hour drive, the uh, vet gave us a Valium for her actually because it soothes her stomach and kind of sedates. And so we did that and we realized that the only one in our house without an anxiety prescription now is the cat that uh, even our dog has an anxiety prescription. And, uh, but like, it was so much fun to have her there. She made friends with their two little dogs, and and it was just great. And a couple of times we went back to the dog beach to watch other people's dogs play because it was really nice there, too, and just left Leia at home. So we, we just left her to, uh, to, to play with the other dogs that she liked and then uh, and not put her through playing at the ocean again. Like, you know, Jennifer's dream did not come true. Oh, well, you got close to it. At least you got like adjacent to the dream. Yeah, um, it's true. I, I most I honestly I want to hear about Harry Potter because you've been okay. before and now it's been a while, right? It has been seven years. It has been a little over seven years since I went to uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So when we let's see, when we went in 2010, I was still over 300 pounds. I was mega fat. And everyone who's listening to this has heard this story. So like that's what made me uh go to uh like start losing weight and all of this and so i was really excited because we were going to be able to go down here have a cheap trip and afford to go to universal and go and i could ride that roller coaster again the one i thought i was going to die on and fit in the fat guy seat on the forbidden journey so that i wouldn't i would finally be able to ride it and they closed down dueling dragons which is the roller coaster I couldn't uh, ride. So my dr- like closed down like two weeks ago. So I just oh, barely no. missed the cutoff for being able to like have this closure like that. But I was able to fit in the fat guy seat on the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey and uh, get like that was just luxurious. I'm like, mm, this is so big. I'm so tiny now. And it was just like great. And uh, so I at least had that vindication of myself. So we decided this time, because we'd already been to Hogsmeade, we'd already been to the original one that was in Universal Islands of Adventure, that we decided that we wanted to go and go to the new one that they had opened up a few years ago that was Diagon Alley. So we decide that we're going to stay in one of the resorts for a night. And I'll tell you about that in a, in a minute whenever we... Uh, circle back around but we got early morning hours like we stayed there because you get an hour in the park before anybody else can get in if you're staying in one of their resorts well before the public can get in so we get up at like 4 30 5 a.m get ready have coffee and uh, go take the tram over to the universal park as and get there while it's still dark I'm not sure if I sent you a picture of the Universal Gates before dawn, you did. but I made yeah, sure I, I took one. it because it, it looks like it's just nighttime. Like, 
I don't know why I did it, but I was like, I know that that is before dawn. So once we go through that, we go in and we wait in line for them to actually open up the theme park gates, which is really cool. And as they open it up, uh, the sun starts to rise and it's us and maybe 20 other people who are in here. So we are the literally the only like two dozen people in this park. And for a long time, Jennifer and I were walking around completely alone. Like it That's was awesome. You, yeah, you it's awesome. You feel like you're you're special, honestly. I know that's why they do it, but if you get up and do that, it feels like I'm the only we were the only two people walking through an entire theme park by ourselves and it wasn't like we were uh, like cheating and going in like breaking in. Like it was just great wandering through. So the sun is rising, we're wandering around and we're heading, obviously, toward the Wizarding World. So uh, we're heading toward Diagon Alley. So we walk through, and Universal is set up, as you go through, that there's a lot of of cityscapes that they have, where little areas that are like Hollywood, little areas like Chicago and things like that, and San Francisco. And they now have the new London one. Go figure. And so we're wandering, and I, we don't know where the park is. Like, we don't know where Diagon Alley is. We just know it's in London. And so I just kind of look over, and I see this, like, kind of cool corner, and I like exploring. Like, in real life, as much as I do in video games, if I see some kind of corner that I want to go into, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go over here and see what's here and see if there's something I can jump on. Literally, I jump on things and explore in real life like I'm like I'm Link in the Breath of the Wild. And so I go over there and I'm like, oh, my God, I found Diagon Alley. Jennifer, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And so we walk in. The sun is rising and we are one of the like first two or three people in Diagon Alley. Like I go around this corner. The brick wall is open and suddenly I just see Diagon Alley like it's from the movie with this dragon up above. There are wizards and witches in costume just all around doing their greeting thing as you walk in and because there was no there were no other tourists there there was no one else here we felt so magical that it really was like the original time we walked into Hogsmeade before where just it you're overwhelmed by that sense of awe that you've seen these in the movies you've read these in the book you've read about these in the books and it's just you see it and it's like you are there that immediately like people were in people were in costume and in character and no one else was around so we were able to walk around go in stores like by ourselves without the massive amounts of tourists around and it felt wonderful and just going in and going into the weasley's wizarding wheezes joke shop and buying stuff and just looking at all their jokes that that you find you they they had the uh i don't remember what they're called now the big uh, the little the little critters that like puff up and and grow and like i can't remember they have big stuffed ones like that that when when a kid buys one they do it they yell from the counter for people to uh like uh like applaud and, and clap for them and uh like with their name that they name them like it was so cute and wonderful that's awesome just i don't know the whole thing just sounds really cool i want to go do this someday it is truly magical and i really do suggest that you get in before anyone else because once you get there when everybody is there like at noon 10 or noonish, it starts to feel more like a theme park sure like, you know yeah, those it would. yeah it would of course it does but in those early hours we had we we had two hours in Diagon Alley where 
no one else was there. It was just normal people. Like, people were wandering the streets. It was like when Harry Potter and all of them were going for the very first time to get their, their wands and their robes, that, that there were just people milling about. That's what it felt like. And it truly, like, I can't. I can't stress enough how magical this felt that just I didn't care anything about the interactive wands that you could buy. Like there are spots that you can interact with the world with this interactive wand uh, to be able to make stuff happen. It was fun watching other people do that. Like I didn't have to spend $80 on a wand to uh, to make some animatronics go. But watching other people make water squirt uh, out of a fountain or start the drinking fountain by uh, by pointing their wand at it. That was cool. Like. Oh, I didn't my care kids to do it would eat that up. Like my wife. Oh, they would ate love it up. That. Like yeah. you should. Kids ate it up, and middle-aged women ate it up. Like there were like 50, 60 year old women there with their families and grandparents. And like there was this one woman who you could see was struggling with it that we were there and she was having this really hard time. And then she got it and she literally jumped up and down and yelled, I did it. I got it to work. I did it. And it was it was just heartwarming because it was pure joy. It was that 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 moment of something coming alive that they loved as a family and and it was magic. Like it really was that they used this wand to do this and I love watching that kind of stuff. And so it was it was super great. Like everything about it was great. The Universal is going kind of all in on motion rides with 3D movies in them and that aren't traditional roller coasters. Which I totally get because they're cheaper to produce. They're they they don't have the safety issues that roller coasters do. They don't have the infrastructure and the space issues. They can have more attractions. So that's what the Gringotts and and Forbidden Journey, uh, the one that takes you through Hogwarts. You go through Gringotts Bank in one, and you go through Hogwarts in the other. And they're motion rides, but they are super fun. Like you still move around. You like get turned upside down in it and stuff like that. But it's still mostly a the actual content of that ride is like projection and a movie going around, but it works. Like it totally works. And it is so much fun. They have an ice cream shop that you can get butterbeer ice cream. Uh, they have a money changer where you can get Gringotts banknotes to spend in Universal, which I did just to go buy ice cream. I mean, I went through, we, we had the, the, we went through, we had the goblin talk to us, do things like that, and we got money and then went and bought ice cream with it. And since it broke and uh, smaller things, they had to give us back muggle money <laughs> to, uh, oh, no. to do it because they didn't have, because they didn't have, I mean, they only came in tens and twenties and we paid like $16 for ice cream for the two of us. So, um, I mean, still, theme fun. park prices. Yeah, yeah it's still fun. I was like, hey, here's my Gringotts notes. And uh, so it's super fun. Butterbeer fudge is so good. So good. And the butterbeer soda is exactly as delicious as I remember it being. Like, I don't drink full-sugared sodas anymore. They, they're disgusting to me just because of texture, because I've gotten so out of drinking them that they feel really thick in my mouth. But butterbeer uh, is the most wonderful drink in the world because it's like a butterscotch cream soda with a, a layer of really thick thick vanilla foam on top. And you, I've never had it replicated. Any of the any of the recipes I found online do not replicate butterbeer. And in seven years, I'd forgotten how... I knew it was delicious, but I'd forgotten how delicious it was. Wow. That's that's so cool. So was Harry Potter the only thing you did? 
like no. in Universal or did you do more? So we did both parks in one day. Okay. We're really glad that we didn't pay for more uh, for more than one day on our tickets because we did everything we wanted to do in one day. Now, it was a long day. We were there from park open to park close. We were there for, I think, 12 hours. Oh, and, wow. But we did literally everything we wanted to do. And the the Jennifer fell asleep at one point. Like we we were wandering around like Jennifer just crashed and I was tired. Like I'm I get tired and I can sit down for a bit and I'm okay. Jennifer really needed to recharge. So we went and we grabbed some butterbeer, we grabbed some water, and we found this corner uh, about halfway through the day, maybe at one or two o'clock. We found this corner uh, in in Diagon Alley where Jennifer laid out on the floor in an alley in Diagon Alley and took a nap that like just fell straight asleep i can send you the picture of it i made sure i took a picture where she was just asleep on the ground in a theme park and so for about 30 minutes she had a power nap i sat there messed around on my phone uh did did a little bit of work uh just stuff like that and it was it was so funny because i I sent our friends a picture and that was just like oh poor little things tuckered out and uh because but but we got so tired doing this like we ate and it was just like oh let's go sit down and relax and then we had our burst of energy and went on and so as we did the parks it took us maybe two and a half hours to do everything in wizarding world that we wanted to do because we had done the other one before most of it spent in diagon alley in the new one and then we did pretty much everything we went through we rode the hogwarts express which they do a before like a to hogsmeade and from hogsmeade show so as you're in there riding the train you're actually moving between parks on a train but you're in the hog uh, hogwarts express train and all of the walls you have a window that shows you the trip from hogwarts to uh king's cross and then you have the one back going that way and you hear harry and hermione and ron outside getting things off the cart and you can see their shadows move toward uh because of the door having a screen in it and then it's just it's magical kids love it and um oh and as you go in from the king's cross side you see yourself just walking through a door but they have a screen set up that's through a um through a luggage cart that everyone watching you makes it look like you're just fading in through a brick wall it looks oh, so cool, cool. That's that so awesome. other people you see other people doing this but i mean there's no real way to make you look like you're going through it but you still get that illusion of going through the uh the brick wall into king's yeah. cross onto platform nine and three quarters and you actually go from king's cross station into platform nine and three quarters like there is another area you go into before you board the train and it's really cool that way too so we did all of this and then we go to universal we go back to islands of adventure we kind of go back and forth and we ride the hulk coaster which is still a fantastic roller coaster um if you love roller coasters the hulk is one of the best there's one that they call like the rip ride rocket that's near it that lets you pick a song to listen to that has speakers right around your head and you're only strapped in on a waist it has a belt like a big waist harness like all it is is a strap across your waist just this big heavy duty thing and your entire rest of your body is free and it is one of the most intense coasters i've ever had and it takes a video of you as you do it like there's a camera right in front of you i didn't notice and i am an ugly roller coaster rider i look terrified the entire time it uh 
it was it was so funny and you can buy the videos it's really fun but we didn't they're super expensive and so we go do that kind of stuff we go through the superhero stuff uh, which we'd done before and then we go to the simpsons area at the end of it the simpsons area feels like you're in springfield they have done okay. such a good job with the Springfield area because it is every bit as awesome and every bit you feel like you're there every bit as much as you do in Wizarding World as long as you're in one of the buildings. Like they have Moe's Tavern, which really does feel like Moe's Tavern. They have uh, Krusty Land, which is one of the rides that that's fun. They have uh, it's like they did such a good job on making it feel like this. You can even get the giant pink donuts from Lard Lad Donuts in the gift shop that uh, we didn't get one because we'd already had donuts and a lot of sweets that day. But man, that would have been so good. Like I, I loved it. I want a giant donut. Yeah, it does sound good. It, it it's like the size of a small pizza at most places. That it, it's like a good twelve inch donut with the pink sauce, with the pink uh, glaze on top of it, with sprinkles that you see on all the Simpson stuff. And I saw people eating it, and I just like I wanted to go over and be like, "Can I have a bite of your donut?" <laughs> and uh, what surprised us though was that the Simpsons and ET area had the best merchandise because the Harry Potter stuff just felt so bland. And I say bland in the the best way possible because if you love Harry Potter, it's all in character and in Harry Potter. But for Jennifer and me, all we want to do, all I want to do is get like a fun t-shirt, like something that's really weird. Like they have Simpson stuff that's super like punny and they have like a an E.T. t-shirt that says it's all good in the hood with E.T. in his hoodie. And But Harry Potter is just like you can buy something with a Gryffindor crest and there's no like whimsy to any of it there and so that's the only thing i didn't like about wizarding world is that i feel like they didn't take advantage of the uh, merchandise because i didn't want to buy any of it because it was all so in world and uh, even at the gift shops like in resorts and stuff they didn't have any that you could buy that was outside of that and so the simpsons was great we did i saw that they're having a fast and the furious attraction soon and it wasn't ready yet and i got so mad oh no that you I'm love like, fast and furious i love it i love it so much and i want to be vin diesel i want to drive a car really fast and i can't like it's gonna I'm, next time i go to florida uh or at least next time i go to these uh to these these theme parks i have to ride the fast and the furious ride like it would make me so happy as a human being and then one of our other favorite things in Universal was Men in Black. That I'd written this before and had forgotten about it. But Men in Black, weirdly enough, became one of my favorite attractions there because it's like a live-action video game. You get on this, this cart, and you're riding through the, the, the attraction. You're riding through the, the ride, and you have a gun. And it keeps score because you're attacking aliens. Like, you're shooting aliens with this infrared gun. And because I'm good at video games because i'm used to this i immediately catch on to the the mechanics of this because you have to shoot them a certain amount and then you can feel it in the gun and it flashes and then sometimes you do that sometimes you can see it in the world like they'll make the aliens fall down and reset and make a noise and so at one point you find out that you're the people who are riding the cart beside you are actually the aliens you have to shoot their cart and disrupt their uh their 
game as they're going through so they can't get as many points and at the end of it you you tally up your points and it on average tells you which team did better and if you become a men in black agent i won both times we did this nice Um, i trounced everybody of course and the first one i'm pretty sure i did the second one too i did I have more score than everybody else on the ride combined because I counted. And wow. uh, they had like twenty to 50,000 each, and I had like 300,000 each. Uh, I had 300,000 myself because I figured this out. It's like, it's a video game. I know this. Well, Jennifer didn't do well, and she was like, how did you do that? And I'm like, play video games? And she's like, <laughs> let's ride this again right now. So she doubled her score the next time once I told her, you know, what I'd figured out. And I did ride at the same, but uh, my team won both times, like, by a by almost double the amount of points as the other team both times. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that was all me. You know, MIB, yeah, because, uh, like, Will Smith is my boy. And, like, I've been dancing to that since, like, the 90s. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so super awesome. The Men in Black ride was a great way to end the day because it was like low impact and playing video games at a theme park. Super awesome. Cool. It sounds like you had a really good trip. I did. And then the night before, playing video games at an amusement park, like we stayed at the resort that night. We got the cheap resort. It was cheaper than most hotels that I've stayed in recently. And we realized that we just kind of wanted to hang out. We didn't want to do anything. Jennifer and I love spending time together. And like we are besties. And so we went through and we found an arcade. And so we we did like the Jurassic Park shooting ride. We played a couple of rounds of skee ball, and then we found Fruit Ninja. So I know Fruit Ninja's old hat, like early iOS game. Everybody's played Fruit Ninja, but when you're playing Fruit Ninja with your wife on a 50 inch touchscreen, or you know maybe 40 inch touchscreen, whatever this this is, it is so much fun to just ninja away fruit, like slapping at the TV with both hands, like moving around. Like we spent an hour, hour and a half just playing Fruit Ninja to earn tickets to buy things. Then after we we didn't want to spend a lot of money in there, so we played Fruit Ninja a lot, and then we used our tickets to buy an eyeball splat ball. And we were those people in the hotel room because it's a good nine o'clock at night at this point. And we we what it is is this sticky weird toy for kids. Oh, that I know what it is. You, I, I remember. Okay, okay, you know. You know what a splat ball is then? Oh, yeah. So yeah. for those of you who don't, it's a, it's a, like a liquid-filled sticky ball that you can throw at the wall, and it will stick and just splat out like goo. And so we're throwing this as hard as we can at every wall in our hotel room. And like we find out that it sticks best to the door, not the uh, the drywall, the painted drywall and stuff. And then we find out that the absolute best place to do it is the shower tiles in the in the in the bathroom. So we're standing with the door to the bathroom wide open, standing on the far edge as far as we can get from it, and just hurling this splat ball into the shower, laughing like total goobers and uh, having so much fun because we won an eyeball playing Fruit Ninja, and like everybody around us, just every like few seconds. Just hears thud, 
thud thud like it was they had to think we had kids or teenagers and it was just like a couple of mid-30s goobers and like it was so much fun and i got a candy necklace like i love candy necklaces and so at this arcade i got a splat ball and a candy necklace (laughs) so and i was so upset because i had to wear it like a bracelet because i'm an adult and it doesn't fit over my head Oh, no. They need to make candy necklaces for adults. Tragic. But I had a candy bracelet, and I ate it, and it was delicious. It was okay. delicious in that terrible way. Well, I'm glad that you had a good trip. Any other parting yes. thoughts on the trip before we get into geekery? <laughs> uh, well, that's mostly geekery. So, uh, like, I cannot recommend enough you going down there. Because this really did feel like a geeky vacation, even though it wasn't, just because of spending time in Diagon Alley. And it was so hard to leave. At the very end of the day, we were like, you know, it's it, they closed at 7. And we're, we still had a two and a half hour drive back to Palm Beach, so we didn't have to pay for another hotel. And we still had to eat dinner. Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you about dinner. So, so and this is cool and geeky too. So, we, we decided to leave the park at 5 o'clock. We ride the Simpsons ride and the men and black right at the very end and we decide let's just go ahead and go we don't need to do anything so we we were going to exit uh we needed to go back by uh wizarding world into diagon alley and get uh more butter beer for me to drink and uh then leave so we went through but we got caught up doing uh everything again like going and wandering through the shops so we spent another two hours in there just hanging out in the shops wandering around because it's so hard to leave because it's so magical and it, it was just awesome that it was hard to leave. And I was actually wearing a uh, Bioshock Infinite shirt that I have. It's like a Songbird propaganda poster. And I had I counted all day long. I counted, and it was ten individual people who called me out on my shirt and uh, had conversations with me about it. Like it was uh, just walking through the park and one or two of them were in the wizarding world and i said uh as i was standing in line one of the ladies was named elizabeth and she said i i saw your shirt and all i wanted to do like i really should just yelled out booker catch and uh like it was so fun and one guy had a bioshock infinite keychain that came in a uh 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 loot crate and he was like i love that game man and it's just like this totally geeky thing where it's not like you and i were talking about a long time ago we don't like wearing like overtly geeky t-shirts where it's like yeah you know uh like the the old school gamer or something like that where it's just got a picture of an nes controller on it that's just not your and my thing but we wear one that kind of represents what what we love but but kind of low-key about it just like here's a shirt i like and so it's just it's that style of propaganda poster i really liked it uh it's an art style that i like anyway like it's the kind of stuff i want hanging on my walls so like yeah i'll get this shirt for three dollars at a thrift store and i just had conversations about bioshock in the middle of wizarding world with people like it was totally crazy and so like like didn't intend it to be like we did not set out for this to be like this super nerdy like any more than going and like spending hours and hours like pretending you're a wizard in Diagon Alley is but I didn't expect it to be an, an overtly video gamey nerdy trip but it really did turn out to be overall good I'm glad that it went so well it sounds like you had a great time it was it was magnificent and I'm so sad I'm at home I'm, I'm glad to be back home but I'm also super sad to be back home because because I miss my friends and uh, and and the baby already it's understandable okay well thank you for recapping I really wanted to hear about it so I'm glad that you got to share and everybody else got to hear at the same time that I got to hear. Um, let's get into the geeky offer of the week. This week, 
We have Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com slash geek2geekcast like normal and get a book on us and it helps the podcast and you guys get a free book. It's awesome. This week, I'm going to re- recommend Phasma because, well, oh. here's the thing. I'm not recommending it for the quality of this book. I'm recommending it because there have been a couple times where like I'm reading a book and I want to have finished the book and I have trouble just like reading it for whatever reason. It's just not clicking with me. And yeah. This happened with like some of the later Game of Thrones books. It was kind of happening to me with Phasma. So I jumped over and I grabbed the Audible version and I just started listening. And then I can like keep making progress, even though I don't particularly want to sit down and read the book. So yeah, I'm recommending Audible not for Phasma, but for books that you may have gotten like kind of stuck on that you want to finish, but you just can't make yourself get back to reading. That's what I'm recommending this week. Go to audible.com slash geek to geekcast Get it for free. Whatever book you're stuck on that you want to finish, but you don't want to read anymore, you can just listen to it. I'm actually going to do that with Arcanum Unbounded because I have the audio for it, but I'm having a hard time getting through the getting through the Stormlight Archive novella Edge Dancer. I'm going to listen to it, I believe, because it'll go. be easier for me to get through. So yeah, do that, folks. Do that. It's awesome. Um, I should also say before we get into geekery, I was on the Geektitude podcast with Joe the other week. We talked all about the Adventure Zone because I love the Adventure Zone, and so does he. And I found out that I'm the one who got him hooked on it. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. but it's pretty cool. So we got to talk all about it and the finale and like the whole big campaign arc that took like three years that they just wrapped up. If you want to hear about that, go listen to Geektitude from last week-ish. It'll be there. It's in the feed, in the podcast feed. And with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. You should continue, because this is kind of like part of your story. You basically said, well, from what you told me, where you were staying, your friend had Kingdom Hearts, and it got you back into Kingdom Hearts? Is that a good yes. summary? Very, very much. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I, I So... Austin and I have always loved watching each other play video games. Like, since we became buddies, we've always been at one of each other's house watching the other one play. Like, I was watching him play uh, The Last of Us, and then he would come over and I would watch it. He would watch me play Bioshock Infinite, just this kind of thing. Um, so, he was over there and he was working his way through Kingdom Hearts 2.8 on the PlayStation. And he was finishing up uh, Dream Drop Distance, the remaster of it that's the main game in 2.8. And it also has the birth by sleep 0.2 a fragmentary passage um game in it which is kind of a bridge between all of the rest of the kingdom hearts games and kingdom hearts 3 and so watching him play the end of i watched him play a lot of the end of dream drop distance and it's definitely going to be something that i pick up after i finish some of the others which i'll get to in a second because I didn't like it on the 3DS. Like, the controls were just a little off for me with the dual screen. You and I have talked about how we kind of hate the dual screen stuff. And it just didn't work for me on the 3DS, but it looks super cool on the uh, PS4. Like, they've done a really great job of updating the graphics, and, and the combat system looks really fun. So... Even though he got really frustrated at a lot of it because he was on like the very last series of bosses. So I watched him beat Dream Drop Distance. And then when he did that, he moved into uh, Birth by Sleep 0.2. Or no, it's Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep 0.2, a fragmentary passage, I think is the full thing. So he was playing through this. stupidest names. It's so bad. It is so bad. But have you played this? Have you played the Birth by Sleep? So I played, this is actually one of the games that came up in my Gamefly queue lately, 
and okay. I tried everything in one night, and I was just like, this is all gobbledygook at this point. Like, all of it is so tangential to the main series, that, and I just don't care. Like, I, I tried, and I just could not find any ounce of interest in me about it. And I, I think I'm realizing that for Kingdom Hearts, for me, I either need to just go back and play one and two because I have good memories mm-hmm. of those and I like them, or I should just not touch it until three because anything else seems to just make me be like, yeah, maybe I don't like Kingdom Hearts. See, and I'm I'm kind of the opposite because I thought I was that way. And you are absolutely right that it's gobbledygook. It is complete and total gibberish for the most part. But watching him play the end of these games, and since he has played all of them on the 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8 remixes. Now, I've watched all of the uh, extra cutscenes. Like, he is totally all in on Kingdom Hearts story right now. He explained it to me and it makes more sense than it does if you're jumping through the jumping through the story kind of like you were just going into a game like that. It still makes where that makes zero sense. This make it the story in general out of 10 makes 2 sense. Like 0 out of 10 the overall story makes 2. Like okay. you're at 0, it makes 2. Like it does not make sense. The thing is though, it's interesting enough because it's weird that I want to keep playing it to see how this kind of Xehanort saga plays out because I've played enough of the others to see these characters and I kind of want to see how it all ends up even though it does not make sense so I read a recap yesterday on the way home I found this really long recap on the internet so I, I read it and again even chronologically does not make sense no I've done that too I've tried I've read like giant recaps that are like here if you need a crash course here's like yep you know, this is gonna take you an hour and a half to read this is the crash course try to keep yep. up and then you finish it and it's like this made no sense yeah, it's like, hey, this guy's putting a fragment of his heart in this guy, and then his heart got ripped out, and so this made a nobody and a heartless, but because he had the fragment of the other heart, it let him stay not no, no, a... No, 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 just stop, stop, it, stop. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff they're doing. But what I thought was really cool about this, like, the gameplay all of a sudden looked really cool again. I love seeing some of the Disney areas, and I remembered how much uh, fun I had just playing through it. Like, just doing it, just like Jennifer says, the smashy smashy, and just seeing all the Disney stuff. That's cool. I love that. Um, I know people have said before, if I don't like anime, why in the world do I like uh, Kingdom Hearts? Because it's an anime story, super anime story. I'm just there to see basically what happens and who Sora is in the end. Um, that said, Birth by Sleep 0.2, I hope you beat it because the I didn't get to see the ending of it, but it is essentially a tech demo for Kingdom Hearts 3. It uses the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine, and holy crap is it beautiful. Like, like holy cow, is it beautiful. Like it, it, I mean, that it game, looks good, but I got really bored of it. It's super short. Like he played it trying to do all the objectives and he beat it in four hours. Like it turns out he was about 15 minutes from the end of it when I left. So he beat it that morning, right, right after I left. So I didn't get to see the very end of it. So I'm going to look it up on the internet, but I also really like Aqua and the characters from birth by sleep. Like they're pretty cool. And because they're basically just Sora, uh, Riku, and Kairi again. They're like the, because it's a prequel, they're just these three 
buddies who like each other and want to help each other. So I like that kind of thing. And because I couldn't play a Kingdom Hearts game while I was there, I downloaded Union Key Cross, the iOS game, on my phone and have been playing it. And it is just enough better than Final Fantasy Record Keeper. It's kind of that kind of game where you you get different um you get different you you make your own avatar, you can do whatever you want to with them and you collect costumes and make them look like that. You get really cool keyblades so that you look neat and you collect different characters and with different art styles and abilities to to basically go kill all the heartless in these these levels and these quests, but you can actually explore through them like you don't just stand there and do anything like there are different parts of the map that you can explore there are um, just different areas you can go around and that keeps it a little bit interesting for me no idea how long i'll be playing this but right now i'm kind of interested in it because apparently it has a nugget of story that goes through so it's actually part of the story which is super weird but i want to see what happens i also want to see how all of the disney stuff ties in um i'm, I'm really a disney nerd so i, I liked it. it it's super fun i'm playing it right now um i'm connected on there with facebook and apparently one of my old colleagues at martin uh at the college I taught at, they uh, they have two separate Facebook accounts for this game and have gone through level 621 and uh, like have these super maxed, two different maxed out characters on there. And I did not know that this person was that into Kingdom Hearts. And like, that's awesome to me that I see this and their avatar looks super cool. They have all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you love you some Kingdom Hearts, and this wasn't a student. This was this was a PhD uh, math professor uh, who I knew was super geeky, but I didn't know was that super geeky. Like, just made me super, super, super happy, and. Um, so I'm playing that, and right now, like I don't know how long it's going to last, but right now, as of this recording, we they're doing like this super mega ultra promotion where if you log in, you get like lots of amounts like free purchasable currency. So I was able to buy a bunch of packs of the uh, of the medals that you can do, and already have a lot of the abilities without having to go through that really terrible mobile game like build up. So I started out being able to straight up have fun without doing the the really dumb microtransaction grind because they gave a bunch of stuff away at the beginning, which has made it cool. a much, much, that much helps. more pleasant experience. Yeah, it's super fun yeah. now. I probably would have hated it if I just had kept having these like one star things and unable to beat some of the levels. But because I started out being able to buy some of the, the packs that they gave with higher level stuff makes it more fun. And uh, so I really like that. So I'm, I'm going through playing that just on my phone, you know, uh, here and there. It was good on the drive home. Playing it while Austin played uh, Birth by Sleep and the other Kingdom Hearts games, like for me to be able to smash some Heartless uh, on my phone while I watched him do it on the TV. Cool. So I came home and I charged my Vita last night to try out PS4 Remote Play, which I hadn't set up before. And I know you've talked to me about it a little bit, but do you use that very often? Not very often. Most of the time where I could be doing remote play, I can also I could just be playing it on my PS4. Like, OK, I don't know. I it also it's very dependent on the game. Some games work really well with it and some games just don't. 
Uh, and say I'd looked it up to see how the Kingdom Hearts remake does the collection, the 1.5 plus 2.5 re final mix or whatever it is. Um, apparently it works really well on there. People said, so I set it up this morning and they're right. It really does. And especially because you don't need the R2 L3 and all that buttons that much in this one. Um, the L2 R2 L3 and R2 R3, um, they're, since they're mapped to the touch screen on front by default, um, you don't use them that much. So it just plays like a normal Kingdom Hearts game on there. And so I'll be able to play through some of these while Jennifer's like watching Dr. Pimple Popper videos. Uh, on, I can use the PS3 for that and do the remote play on the PS4. So that's really cool. Like I'm super excited to play through these again. And I loved watching her play through Kingdom Hearts 1 on the PS2. So I'm really hoping that she'll grab either Rechains of Memories or uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, which is probably the better choice. And... Uh, jump through it and i'll be able to watch her play it so i love i love watching kingdom hearts games apparently apparently i really do because i watched yeah. her play the first one and now austin's and i'm just like i love kingdom hearts like i'm super just into like it disney. right now i think i do like i really love disney well you said and you that's the only the disney thing. afternoon collection also right <laughs> yeah yeah um you're just a in a disney play. mode lately i really am and like i thought last night as i went to sleep i was like i need to watch finding dory i haven't seen that yet um but i bought the disney afternoon collection on ps4 because they had a flash sale this weekend that i got an email about and they had it for like seven or eight dollars and jennifer and i went as darkwing duck and Launchpad for halloween a few years ago so it had the original nes darkwing duck game which you can't get anywhere else i don't think right now so it has like ducktales 2 I think uh, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and Tailspin on it. So stuff I remember playing as a kid and a game I've never played before that, that we were pretty sure we would like just, just, just messing around and playing with each other that uh, that was worth it. And also Austin convinced me to buy Sword Art Online Re-Hollow Fragment, which is almost as bad as a Kingdom Hearts game title because I loved the first episode of the TV show and he watched the first season and really enjoyed it too. So so we're kind of lined up on knowing what each other likes on video games and TV. And so it was $5 on the PS4 and it had really good reviews. Um, he said it goes through the first season's narrative of the, the anime. And so if it's a good game... And goes through a story that i already knew i liked for five bucks why not yeah that makes sense so cool so that's my last couple of weeks um i think that's about it oh there was also a nocturne alley part of uh harry potter of diagon alley that you have to just find there's like a dark alley that you can go through and there's an entire other part that i found while exploring so there's that Ooh, too sweet it was cool. cool it was creepy like i actually got scared there's one thing you can look in a a door with a little window on it and it blows air through the doorknob at you and uh, i jumped and screamed and it <laughs> was it scared me so bad it was so much fun i laughed like it was great but yeah that was that was my last couple of weeks i have been doing a bunch of stuff and i'm looking at the amount of it and where we're at for time i'm gonna gloss over some of this even though like some of these things could probably become episodes if i wanted to dive super deep yeah it's I, I looking like I they could to. um so i watched the twilight imperium fourth edition documentary that the shut up and sit down guys did and it's a really, really cool look behind the scenes at, like, making a board game. And it's, okay. it's basically, like, Twilight Imperium. Do you know that game? 
I've seen it, but I've never played it. It's one of those okay. I've heard a lot of people talking about. Like, isn't it the super long one that can take like days? It is. To yeah. Play? So they say like if you have an expert group of players, you can maybe get through it in six hours. If it's your first okay. time playing it, then you want to set aside a weekend because it will probably go across two days to finish it. And they say that average play time, if you have a couple people who know what they're doing, um, is probably like eight hours. So it's it's a really okay. long time. I've never played this game, but I've always been interested in it. So whenever there's like information about it, I always take a look. And this right. was about them moving from the third edition to the fourth edition and like kind of where they initially started and what they thought the box would look like for fourth edition and then where they okay. ended up. And it's just a fascinating look at like the process so if you're interested in a little bit of behind the scenes process and thinking that goes into board games check out the twilight imperium fourth edition documentary if you just look for it on shut up and sit down it'll pop up um i watched a bunch of other stuff too while you were gone i watched wonder woman and outside of it kind of abusing slow-mo a little too much for my taste i thought it was pretty good i still like a lot of the marvel movies better but in terms of the dc movies it is the best thing that they've done since the nolan batman easily Mm -hmm. easily yeah it's it's super good and it's one that outside of the super Zack snyder ending that they do that really feels kind of tacked on with the like main the main boss fight i uh, i really liked it the slow-mo didn't bother me as much because i'm not as tuned in to production as you are and i know that's why it it bothered you so much and i mean i noticed it but i didn't care and uh some movies really do abuse it too much for me. And I think this one just kind of hit that line of this is stylist. This is a stylistic choice. This isn't a lack of filmmaking ability, but I totally understand that. Now there were times they used it and it was effective. And then there were times I was like, Oh, we're in slow-mo again. Okay. Um, but anyway, I liked wonder woman overall. It was, it was good. Like if another one came out, I definitely watch it for sure. Um, I watched the mummy, the new one, the Tom Cruise one. I'm so sorry. My wife and I saw a trailer for it, and we're like, that has to be horrible. So we watched it together, and we made fun of the whole thing, which made it fun. Because, like, that's the only way I can watch movies like that. But in terms of the quality of that movie, it is bad. It is super, super predictable. And it is a really weird genre mix. It's kind of half trying to be a horror movie and half trying to be an action movie. And it's not actually either one of them. But it's like... When you have Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise has to, like, run around and do action, you know? And I've seen—that's what the trailers look like to me. Like, sometimes they were really low-key horror, and other times it was, it was like, over-the-top action, which is why I never saw it. And yeah, it's, it's really funny because— time. Well, I don't think it is, honestly. And they were betting a lot on this movie. I don't know how much you followed the well, production okay, so of it. Part of the part of the problem with the movie is that they bet so much on it because it was supposed to be the launch of their like dark universe for Paramount dark or Universal universe, like the dark cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah, and and it's supposed to tie in, you know, like Frankenstein and vampires and mummies. Yeah, like the old and, Universal uh, like movie everything monster they have movies too. Yeah, exactly. So. The thing is, it does that, but that makes the movie worse also and more predictable in ways. Like, I I don't know. It was just bad. Um, And it's super funny because I actually rode the mummy ride at at Universal. And that's one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about this is the mummy ride is fantastic. It's a few years old and it's Brendan Fraser mummy oh yeah but well that can, one's good that was good but then you go like through it and like it's all set up in the gift shop like there's so much tom cruise mummy memorabilia and like 
like they were you can see that they were betting on this like they made lots of merchandise for you to buy because they wanted this to be like the the next big thing to build in and like they were going to capitalize on this it bombed and it just looks sad in that gift shop now because it was was like oh you guys you guys tried i'm proud of you for trying um i'm sad because i liked the original movie so much so another movie that tried and failed is arthur legend of the sword i didn't even I don't think make i've it. heard of this it's the king arthur movie that came out this summer like this summer was not good for box office in general no and hollywood has said that and like there's they're feeling the pain at the moment um but i i also think part of it is that they're finally learning to use the entire calendar year like we're getting the thor movie that i'm actually excited for in the fall and we're getting star wars in the winter like you know dude i totally forgot about thor ragnarok well yeah because they're actually learning to use the entire year instead of trying to do everything in the summer but i think this is the first summer that it truly showed in the box office because like there wasn't a lot of good stuff this summer king arthur legend of the sword is one of those movies that came out and it was a what's the guy um guy ritchie that like people really like guy ritchie stuff i don't know him that well i like two guy ritchie movies and don't like any of his others snatch and lock stock and two smoking barrels are fantastic the sherlock sherlock holmes games meh yeah so this is one of his movies and i don't know it just doesn't work like it's it's bad and it's like the generic fantasy setting to the point where it's like haven't we moved beyond this you know aren't we ready for like some nuance in our fantasy like we live in a post game of thrones world you can't just do king arthur rebooted again like this is bad so yeah it wasn't good don't waste your time on it um the one thing i watched that was really good i think this is weird it's baby driver so I've heard good things about this that I didn't think it was going to be good, but I've heard it's great. So the thing with it is Scott Pilgrim is probably one of my favorite movies now, and it is an Edgar Wright movie. And I like other things he's done, like Shaun of the Dead's okay. Hot Fuzz is a really good movie. Um, oh, so funny. I have mixed reactions to his work, but this is a movie that Edgar Wright has wanted to make for a really long time. And I remember the first time I saw Scott Pilgrim, I came out of it like, yeah, that was good. Like, I think that was, I think that was good. I think that was interesting. I think I like it. And that is the exact feeling I came out of Baby Driver with, which if history repeats, that means that Baby Driver might become one of my favorite films. I don't feel like that right now. Like, I, I don't feel like that at the moment. I just watched this the other night and there are so many levels of things going on in this movie that I feel like to really understand it and like get a good read on it, I probably need to watch it two more times at least, if not more. But it's kind of, it's not a musical, but it's kind of a musical because the entire thing is set to a soundtrack. It's like one of the narrative devices because he always has his headphones in. He's always listening to music when he's driving and when he's doing other stuff too. And so the whole thing is coordinated to the soundtrack, but there's no, like there's not really people singing that much. It's not actually a musical musical. Right. And it's scored more than a musical, I guess it's soundtracked, but not musical. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It kind of, it's its own thing. And it really works for it. They do some super cool things. So when I was watching this, my kids were asleep and my wife had gone to bed early and I was watching it. So I was using the Roku remote where you can plug in a headphone like it has the headphone jack on it. Oh, yeah. So I had headphones in watching this 
and they do really cool things with stereo sound that I would have missed if I just watched it on the TV. So I'm really glad I did because there are times in the narrative where like he'll pull out one headphone or somebody else will pull out one of his headphones for one reason or another. And when that headphone comes out, the soundtrack is only playing in one of your ears if you're listening to it. So it's like you're getting the sound that he's getting. It's really, really cool. So Baby Driver, I like it. I like it for sure. I don't know if I love it yet, but it has potential to be really cool. So this is one that I actually want to spend time to go back and rewatch. Does that... That's, give you enough of a feel for it yes and i've i've heard such good things about it like that's exactly the kind of thing i needed to hear about it because i didn't i couldn't remember a lot about it the from what the trailers were and everything but i remembered yeah i wanted to see this and i actually forgot it was edgar Wright. yeah i think that it didn't do as well as they wanted it to necessarily but i also think the title probably hurt it more than anything else like probably it came so out yeah around the same time that boss baby came out And then you have a a movie called Boss Baby that's like a kid's movie. And then you have a movie called Baby Driver. And it's that honestly probably hurt it more than anything else. Um, It's good. The other thing I watched that I just watched last night was Star Trek Discovery. I don't have a whole. Is it on? Well, yeah, it just came out like on Sunday. We're recording this Tuesday night. So I watched it Monday night. Did not know that. It has potential. I I don't have a lot of firm feelings about it. there, There are two episodes out right now. They released both of them on the same day. And they feel like setup and world building for what the series is about to become because there's definitely a shift that happens right at the end of the second episode that kind of shifts it into the mode the rest of the series is going to be about. So I don't know. I think it has potential, but I want to watch at least one more episode. I feel like if I watch episode three next week, I will have thoughts about it. So I'll, I'll report back next week after I watch that one. Um, the other thing, I play Destiny 2 a lot. I probably put 40-ish hours into it, maybe more than that, honestly, and I'm kind of done with it. Like, I did all the single-player content. I did all the matchmaking content multiple times. I'm in, like, the 270s for power level, and there's not really a path forward outside of scheduling raids with people on Nightfalls, which just doesn't work with my life, or doing one of these few narrow paths that only open up once per week to earn these like big rewards right it's the only way to power up after you get to about 260 which is kind of like the soft cap at the moment for single player it's just frustrating because suddenly all the things i liked about the game i am now disincentivized to do i'm only incentivized to do these few things once a week and then if you finish it don't do that anymore because it's a waste of time and everything else is like oh you don't have a friends group and a schedule that works for this well I guess you just have to wait. So part of this is me getting frustrated with the structure. And then part of it is just, I'm just not an MMO player. Like I like to beat games and then move on to the next game. You guys know that by now. So a game that never ends is not, I don't know. It it just doesn't work for me long-term. So destiny Two, putting it on hold until it comes out on PC and I have people to play with again. And then I'll probably do a similar thing until like the first expansion comes out. And that's, that's honestly kind of how I'm feeling about it right now. Um, I don't care about Destiny anymore. Um, I can't, uh, I just don't like it right now. And um, I'm really feeling a bunch like buyer's regret on this one. Oh, see, okay. So I should say, I do not feel buyer's remorse at all. Like I got my money out of this game. I love the single player game. I loved all of the content the first time through. Like the right. whole single player content. I got my money's worth out of this game. And it still is one of the best moment-to-moment shooters out there. Like, 
all of those statements are still completely true. It's just that right. I've hit the cap of what I can do with my life and like fitting games into my life. And I'm not going to radically change it to become a yeah. writer. So I just have to step away from it now. And I honestly think that um, Destiny raids aren't nearly as... And I've only watched videos, don't get me wrong. And I don't think Destiny raids are as engaging as some of the other kind of MMO raids. That if I were going to do something, I don't feel like this would be as tactical as some of the other more strategic RPG games. Uh, and maybe that's just me. But I think I, that's uh, just you. I know Destiny players that would fight you on that, for yeah, sure. And I'm sure they would. And like I said, I've only seen videos of it, and I've never done one myself, but that was just my impression from those, uh, which is one of the reasons that I don't feel like... I just don't feel like first-person shooters are my thing. And I keep trying, and I want to like them. I don't think they are. I think that's the main thing. Well, okay, let me tell you about a, a better game then. Um, well, not a better okay. game, but maybe a better game for you. Have you played or seen or heard about Project Octopath Traveler? I saw a very little bit of it at uh, Austin's house. He had the demo downloaded, and we uh, I saw him do some of the battles. I saw him show some of the overworld that as we went through, but he was playing Kingdom Hearts, and really I got a demo of the demo just to see, and he he told me, like, this is going to be a really good game, and that uh, he told me a little bit about the story and how you do it, Um but I'm not. A, I can't remember exactly what the Octopath is because I know there's like eight characters that you interact with who are going through the same story. So it's eight characters, and they have different stories in the same world at the same time, from what I can tell. Okay. And I assume that at some point their paths start to cross, and you start to like build parties. But that hasn't really been spelled out. The demo is just the start okay. of two of them, and you can do both of them and see kind of the intro part of their path and their quest. So I did both of those and I, I like this. Like it's it's by the Bravely Default team. Some of the battle mechanics are kind of still showing from Bravely Default, but not in a bad way. And yeah, yeah I mean, there are really cool systems in Bravely Default. And if the systems expand on what I saw in the demo, there will be in this game too. And then the other thing is that okay. like, the art style is super cool. It's like pixel characters in like a fully like fleshed out 3d ish yep. world that has some weird it looks tilt like shift. a playstation one rpg uh, no like it has tilt shift like it's using the power of a modern system like it doesn't i mean the characters the character models yeah maybe they look like a ps1 or like a oh yeah Super that, that's what i mean just the way that they have the art design and the way the world moves around like the way that you you kind of explore it looks kind of like the way a playstation one uh game would look now mm, if that makes any sense maybe yeah they're doing other cool things with the tech though like it's it's a unique art style at the moment you should probably look up a video right but there was enough there that I know that I'm going to get this game and that I will probably really like this game. There's also hints yeah. of like really mature storytelling, not in a bad yeah. way, like in a, Hey, maybe this will actually be interesting and not just like E for everyone. Like maybe they're actually going to get into some issues here that will be compelling. So I'm going to get this game for sure. Yeah. That was, that was kind of the way he said, he's not sure if he's going to get the game and a lot of it will depend on how much it costs when it's released. Yeah, I can see that. But for me, for me, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I know I will. Um, the one game that I bought and played and beat all within like two days was steam world dig two. And it's because I loved it. Like it is fantastic. I liked the first game. I played it on PS4. 
Yeah, PS4. Okay. And this is the second one, and it's out on Switch. And at this point, I've loved all three of the Steam World games, but it's just like they they expanded on the platforming and the challenge level of the game they added a bunch of new tools and stuff but they're still the core of like exploring and digging deeper and like finding and like mining minerals to like get weapon well the core is like you're trying to get to the next point on the map right and to do that you need good enough gear to be able to keep digging down because it gets harder the farther you dig down so you want to defeat enemies you want to like mine as you're going down so you get resources that you can go up and sell to then use to upgrade your gear and that's kind of the core loop of it Um, okay but on top of that it's just a really good platformer and i love really good platformers so steamworld dig 2 gets my browsing endorsement probably like a 10 out of 10 game i love that game it it was fantastic even though it was i don't know i like i said i played the first one so I went into it pretty skilled in terms of like this particular world. And I'm good in general at platformers. It took me about five hours to beat this game. I could probably do it in less now if I went through again, but I think it would take a little bit more than that for just most people. Um, The other thing, last thing I upgraded to iOS 11 because I was having issues with like my uh, iMessage signing in one day and it had been about a week so I knew there weren't any giant issues going on with iOS 11. I always wait a little bit because you never know if there's a bug they didn't catch. Uh, and I truly didn't know that iOS 11 was out well, yet. Well, you were traveling. Like, yeah, like I had no clue about this. Yeah, so it was out, and like I said, I gave it about a week. Uh, no big issues that I had heard of, and I was having trouble with my iMessage. So I was like, well, I know if I upgrade to the latest OS, it always prompts you to re-sign into everything and like reassociate yeah. your phone. I was like, okay, well, that'll probably fix the issue. So I upgraded. I did that. Overall, I like iOS 11. Um, it added some new features, none of which is groundbreaking, but it does seem to be faster for me. I'm on an iPhone 6 right okay. now. And the battery life on my phone seems about the same as it did before. Maybe slightly better, honestly. But it's not like, you know, sometimes you upgrade to a new version and you're just like, oh my God, my battery's gone. That did not happen with this one. Yeah. Um. So that's good. The bad thing is that with every major numbered iOS update, they typically yeah. will touch their own Apple programs, even if they haven't in a long time, like the b- default built-in programs. So they upgraded the podcast app and I should put air quotes around upgraded. They made the podcast app that I use every single day. I'm subscribed to 70 plus podcasts at the moment. They made it completely yep. unusable for me. It Just because of the way that you use it, right? No, it's just, it's unnavigatable. Like it does not make sense what they did with lists. There's no easy place to go to see all of your unplayed things that you have like downloaded, ready to go. Like the one thing that a podcast app should do, you just need a clean list of unplayed podcasts hopefully you can sort it but on apple and you can't right. always just because of the way they are and the what they have instead is they have a playlist that's a combination of episodes that are unplayed which are ones that i would actually want to listen to ones that are recently played which if i already listened to it why are you putting it back into this playlist and ones that are saved that all used to be in this other section like away from things and episodes yeah. that you partially listened to, even if you marked it as played, like, one time three years ago after listening to five minutes of it. Like, it's oh. just, it was completely broken and unusable for me, especially because I managed, like, 70 podcasts, right, that I yeah. listened to. So, not only that, it broke all of my muscle memory for that app. 
right? Mm, like every day, yeah. like I reach for my phone when I'm in the car. I don't have to look at it to like skip around or pick a different episode or change oh, settings. Yeah. Like I have muscle memory for this app. All of that is broken. And it's just confusing and frustrating. So about a year ago, I had looked at Overcast and I said, this is awesome. This is actually probably superior to the native podcast app. This was at the time a year ago, but I don't want to take the time to migrate all my podcasts over. Right. That's totally understandable. iOS 11 breaking the podcast app was what I needed to make myself migrate. So I took like two hours probably to like move every single podcast over, resubscribe in this other one, mark the latest ones as played that I had already listened to, get my playlist exactly where it was before I upgraded to iOS 11. And then I took a little bit of time to poke around in Overcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, now I remember why I like this. There are so many features in that app that are amazing that other podcast apps should steal but haven't yet. There are things like like Smart Speed where mm-hmm. so not only okay so like on on ios you can listen to podcasts at like one time speed one and a half two or three i think those are the only options maybe there's like a 0.5 also for some reason okay but in overcast it gives you much more granularity you can go to many points in between those so if you can only listen to something at like 1.75 speed like you could do that or like 1.7 speed like there's yeah. more options there the other thing is this smart speed option where it will crank up the speed to basically skip any silences in a podcast. So Hmm. like I try really hard for our podcast to edit out any awkward pauses. And mostly they happen because we're recording over the internet, right? Like it takes a second for me to hear you and respond. Whereas if we were in the same room, that doesn't happen as often. Um, But a lot of other people don't do that when they edit their podcast. Like I try really hard to get away from those. And yeah, of course. So there are podcasts I know that like, oh, I like to listen to it, but it, it drags on a little too much. It could be edited better. This basically edits it on the fly to get rid of all of those with the push of a button like literally you wow, turn that's it on crazy. one time and it just works and then there's see now i really like pocket cast but i don't know if it does that well there's another thing that it, you can turn on that's um it's like voice it calls it like voice smoothing but basically what it does is it evens out the levels of everyone's voices which is another thing that oh. i manually do for our podcast that other people don't always do and so if you ever listen to a podcast where someone's really loud and someone's really quiet this evens that out for you it makes everybody level and on top of all this you can set them globally but then on every individual podcast you can flip a switch and you can set up custom parameters for that podcast so if it's one where people are talking with a different accent and you can only listen to it at 1.5 speed you can set that for just that podcast and it won't affect your global settings or if it's one where the voices are way off turn on you know volume leveling for that one but not everything if you want yeah and then the other thing is it has playlists that you can customize however you want there are so many different ways to customize playlists that i'm not even going to get into them right now but i've started making my own playlist and i'm already like oh my god i can't believe i didn't do this before like so a hundred percent if you guys are upgrading to ios 11 and you listen to as many podcasts as i do and you're feeling that frustration go get overcast like uh, I can't even hesitate to recommend that one. Yeah, I mean, I've downloaded it a couple of times, ended up liking Pocket Cast UI better, and uh, but I may give uh, I may give Overcast a shot because of a few because I haven't migrated. I don't listen to nearly as many as you do. I only grab a handful here and there, so it'll be it'll be good for me to uh, try it out. It won't be a hard. Yeah, I I'm won't be a hard transition. I'm literally subscribed to one podcast in the native app now, and it is ours. 
and that is only so that I can make sure that it goes up correctly. <laughs> Everything else ah. is out of that app. So I am all in on Overcast now, and I love it. I already love it. So thank you. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, that's about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we're on Slack too now, so you can go to slack.geek2geekcast.com and grab your invite. And remember, folks, we're part of a podcast network, so you can head on over to geek2geekcast.com to see if any of our shows tickle your fancy and uh, listen to everything. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at gr and mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beige that's beige with two e's and i sometimes blog at geekfitness.net we've been void beige with your geek Geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks beige is back all right everyone i'm katie and i'm chelsea and we're the hosts of the podcast tea time with katie and chelsea we are two best friends who love pop culture we try to have a female perspective on things but we really just talk about anything we like what are some recent topics we've done katie uh well we've talked about girl power songs wonder woman veronica mars young adult fiction novels san diego comic-con and so much more so grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on itunes or stitcher and start listening today